Time to go into auto reverse. Tell me a map. Where we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on. We're only making plans for Nigel. XTC. We only want what's best for him. So, XTC, this is another band. I feel like I'm a broken record about saying this, but it's like, it does. This is another band that I, I, I have a surface knowledge of that have grown to from this exploration. Like really, God, like really fascinated with uh, and really in awe of in some, in a weird way. And then kind of, there's, you know, the, the, always the undercurrent of shame. I'm like, why didn't I ta- latch onto this band a little bit more? You know, cause they got such, I mean, they, it's, there's such a remarkable band in just their output, but the range of kind of things that they have done uh, from, from beginning to end. Yeah, they're, um... I, I I'll be honest with you too that all right even though I may know I may know a little bit more <laughs> a slight bit more than you about them there's stuff about them that I learn still I'm still learning about like um, you know certain albums uh, what they were thinking where they were headed uh, a lot of it a lot of the information I picked up about them was in the book um, rip uh, Rip It Up and Start Again by Simon Reynolds. The, oh, uh, no shit. Post-punk, post-punk, right. post-punk book. Um, they were mentioned a ton in that book. And and only recently, in the last like few years, I picked up uh, White Music, the first album. Which right, is right, yeah. And, and Go To, I picked them up recently. So, you know, there's all this like stuff that I don't know. And also even stuff like I couldn't figure out at the time, like when... when um, Skylarking came out. I remember, you know, really loving the song "Dear God." Yeah, their big, their big hit yeah, in the yeah, states. Huge hit, yeah. And I went and bought Skylarking, but "Dear God" wasn't on it. <laughs> it wasn't on the U.S. pressing of oh, that record, because... so I had to buy the four. I had to buy the forty-five. Of course. So, so there's always been this like sort of fascination with this band beyond the music it's like a lot of my fascination with xcc is like how they did things and the sort of relationship between the two main guys andy partridge and uh colin molding um so yeah it's that's why they're cool because it's just like this there's all these layers of stuff and then sort of their influence and how they you know how they change too as they made records yeah it seems like it's kind of this typical kind of story like one guy being in one band and one guy being in another like it was in the early 70s uh molding was in this mm-hmm. band star park which i which i learned mm-hmm. they opened for our for our good friends uh thin lizzy in 73 mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. re-nicknamed himself the helium kids with a with a god-awful z on the end instead of the s mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then before they became xdc they were the dukes of stratosphere um, but this Dukes of Stratus, they were that before XCC. Yeah, I thought they, they, I thought they put out Dukes of Stratosphere records later. Well, they said, that, oh, okay, so they, they, that was a name that they were considering. But oh, uh, I see. I'm sorry, I misspoke. But I, you know, yeah. did you learn? Did you see how, or did you learn how they actually came up with the XTC? Which I totally did. I felt was, I was so well far off the mark because I thought I heard it. No, like I. D- 
I don't know. How, how did they come up with that? So, it's, they took it from uh, Jimmy Durante's exclamation upon discovering the lost chord. That's it. I'm in XTC. I don't know Jimmy if you remember. Dur from Jimmy Durante. From Jimmy Durante. From Jimmy Durante, right. because you know how he emphasized the last words. He would always put that yeah. heavy emphasis yeah. on stuff. Yeah. Uh, a vaudevillian, uh, black and white comedian, this huge, uh, which is huge nose, who, you know, before our time, but I grew up, you know, you know watching some Jimmy Durante movies. But anyhow, um, you know. Was he like W.C. Fields? Did he hate kids, too? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I, Maybe. I, I'm sure everyone, right. from my understanding, get on that, from get, my, get on that, get on that. <laughs> from my understanding, everyone hates kids from once in a while. <laughs> including people with <laughs> kids like us. Including <laughs> us. <laughs> um, so what, you know, they kind of started off in this kind of, um, yeah, I don't even know about, about calling it punk. It's definitely an edgier, edgier rock. Um, and, you know. This, I think you could call it punk. I think, I think, and I even made a note of this, I think. They had that. I mean, they were always they, they got the post punk new wave title because of the sort of time period that they right. came up through. So, but they put out their first record in '77, which arguably is the year that punk broke in 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 England. Although they've tried to attach that name, that term, uh, year punk broke now to like Nirvana, like oh, right, 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 right. The, the you know, the chickens came home to roost on that day when Nirvana put out Nirvana. But in reality, 77 was the year in England when all the big, you know, sex pistols and everything, everything came out. But I will say this, they, to me, they are punk and post-punk and they're punk in the way that like the Buzzcocks or Elvis Costello or, um, yeah, more or, uh, yeah. like more sophisticated. You know what I mean? More sophisticated, and the jam, the jam, the I jam. would include yeah, that yeah, too. Uh, cool, yeah. yeah, a more sophisticated uh, sort of emphasis on the songwriting, and some more. It's still energetic and propulsive the way punk is, but it has this, you know, these these more subtle touches, and and like you know, a, and also like the English influences, like the Kinks and the Beatles yeah, and all that stuff is still there. Yeah, and the Sex Pistols yeah. too. You know, yeah. a little bit in there. You know, it's you know, I think that and the reason I asked that because I was I, they, you know, in their first album, White Music, which is amazing. They there was this quote about one of the songs. This is pop. It's like, what does that actually mean? And he's like, I said, I think it was Andy Parker said it was like. I thought punk sounded demeaning and new wave sounded like some French cinema. So I always thought we were like a new pop band. So the song, mm -hmm. this is pop is kind of like a declaration of some sorts. Like this is, this is, this is how at least we see it, uh, themselves, but God, I mean, just like that album and you know, you, what the fun part about the playlist, which I've listened to, like, I, you know, I listened to over the course of the last week, probably like five times. It's just, and it's even more enjoyable for me to listen after listen to it on shuffle because it's just the range of stuff that comes in and and mm -hmm. um, you know their progression like you were talking about um, it, it, it doesn't you know I, it seems very logical the progression they make I mean does that seem to you like the how they go from like the white music and a little bit the more edgy and then they get the, the edges kind of get a little bit more softened. On it, on yeah, it. yeah, they're they're doing they're doing that throughout. Yeah, it's progressive. Um, like the white music is edgier. I think the next record is uh, go, go to. to. Yeah. I 
I am not as big a fan of that record because it's kind of more ska-ish. But I think the height of that first phase of the band is on the record, the third record, which is uh, Drums and Wires. I think that's where they crystallize their phase one of the band's right. uh, development. And then, like, so that was, like, the height because, I mean, it has, like, some of their more... You know, like making plans for Nigel and even the uh, the sort of moody synth song, um, Complicated Game, which they use in a bunch of TV shows recently. Right. That's an incredible song and really sinister and dark, but still super catchy. And so I feel like that was like their thing. They would, you're right that they were progressing, but they were progressing with an end and then put a period behind behind it and then that was and that then start the net and, yeah and then get on to the next phase because if you think about it after drums and wires then they made they made uh they made um english settlement right which you're starting to see a different sound it's like a it's a a, a rootsier right you know, and, and that kind of um, carries over to yeah. merch yeah right yeah yeah so it's like it's like they're starting to move towards the the deuce stratosphere the more psychedelic sound in english settlement it's just like it's it's roots here it's it's like softer um and it, I, you know it's like yeah they're they're great in that they, they keep changing but not so not so abruptly it's not like they made a heavy metal record after making right, drums and wires right. you know it's like it's it's a subtle thing but you're right if you put it on on shuffle the playlist you can hear just how very there's yeah it's really thick and... there's thick lines between the type of things that they're doing i mean you, you could tell it's the band just because of the vocal and uh, the things that really click for me is and the things that i notice is that and and sometimes i talk about how keyboards are annoying but they do a very good job of mixing there's they're mixing a keyboard in there to heighten and really punch up a song uh, as opposed to something that's just like clanging around in the background. I think, mm -hmm. and that's mostly a testament to because, you know, you know, Colin uh, Moulding's uh, bass guitar playing, like that's the thing that's, like mm -hmm. they're really, really tight and they have really good inner mm -hmm. guitar, bass, drum interplay that mm -hmm. I, that have really kind of stood out for the songwriting. And, you know, the way that I kind of came across them, like they were, in my world, they were what I would call a mixtape darling. Like I, mm -hmm. there was always someone putting a, an XTC song on a mixtape that I got, you know. Or I, ne I never would do it uh, because I, I, I liked them. But again, I was more like staying in the shallow end and not going a little deeper. Um, mm -hmm. Which who knows why? I, you know, I'm probably wearing a lot of black T-shirts back then. Um, yeah, you were whatever you were exploring other things, and you know that that was the that's thing a that very nice really way of latch on. That's, that's a very nice way. I'm of being nice. It. Yeah, I'm that being a nice. Very nice way yeah. to put it. <laughs> but they were, you know, that's the thing. Like other than like the Stranglers, that's a band that had a keyboardist, and actually, yeah, they. Uh, the story I read was he he kind of came in uh, Barry Andrew, Andrews and kind of came in and was sounding like John Lord with like the fuzz box and the heavy thing, uh -huh. and they're like, yeah. Dude, you don't have to do that. You can go as you can go beyond that. And mm -hmm. from that point on, he kind of he just that's where their sound kind of started to develop a little bit. And he found his way into there because the interplay between um, you know Partridge and Molding on the guitars, or actually Dave Gregory, who's a really good guitarist. Like I, 
that's another thing through the playlist. I mean, that dude can that dude is a can rip, um, and makes really interesting guitar lines too. Um, yeah, I mean, the band was great, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know how you, however you look at it, I th at, at once they made Ingo's Settlement, the album, like the fourth album, they stopped touring, and then it became this sort of like, you know, molder, um, molding, I'm uh, sorry, molding and uh, partridge prod studio project, kind of like a new wave Steely Dan, uh, where they just... They just stopped touring, and then they, and then, and then, and then, the and they blurred the line between w what was XTC and what was Duke's Stratosphere. Do you do you see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. it was hard to tell which which band was which. It's like it it just became one thing, and they dropped you know they dropped those um, those other guys that were playing, and they just turned it into a studio band. Not that unlike. Uh, and a similar trajectory to Talk Talk, who we've covered on the show before. Right, 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 right. Uh, That's and that, in that they got sick of the, I think they got sick of the song and dance, and uh, they focused on being, you know, just making music and not worrying about having to support it. Um, and that's kind of cool. Kind of cool. I, I respect that. of the dukes of stratosphere kind of having to split what do you think the reason or about that like why they needed to make that much of a break is it because it just gave them a it was kind of like a a, a hint hint wink wink side project or no i think i think i think uh i think partridge and molding both had these desires and i could, you could see it in their sort of progression it, they were going in a rootsier more psych, more soulful kind of direction as on XTC records. And they just had this real desire to make records like that. And, and they, and they finally said, let's put, cause I think X, uh, Skylarking, I, it was right around the time of Sky, uh, English settlement into Skylarking. I think that's when the first, um, Duke's stratosphere record came out. So they, they probably just wanted to explore that side of themselves with, but not have it attached to XTC. But but then, after they made that the first record, which I think is called Twenty Five O'clock, I have yeah, a yeah. copy of it. I don't yeah. have the second one. I traded it away by accident. I don't, I don't know. It got mixed up in a in another stack of shit. Um, but um, but uh, they. So I think I think uh, they did that, and then they probably liked it. And, I, and it, I, apparently, the first rec, uh, Duke's record is was successful. So they they said fuck it, and then they just they made a second record and then if you think about it the record that they made after skylarking under the xtc banner which is right. called sonatic uh, god sunspot. it's called oranges and yes oranges and something On no lemons? sunspot is the second yeah oh, oranges and lemons. lemons yeah that sounds like a duke's stratosphere record but it's it's an xtc record so 
well, you know even what I mean? the, the lines. Yeah, even the cover the of that's much cover more. looks like yeah. yeah. And they, they sort of like blurred the lines, you know, of of which which was which. And I think it's because it was just the two of them really in charge and doing what they wanted to. Like I said, like talk talk, uh, just like Mark Hollis, just kind of uh, following their creative muse wherever it took them. You know, and it, and it, and it's funny that you brought up that they were mixtape darlings. To me, they were college rock and sort of the emerging alt rock. They were one of the first darlings of that movement. Um, right, right. That's beyond how, yeah. the sort of American underground stuff, like them, The Cure, like those bands were the original. Uh, XCC were like the original uh, darlings of college rock and 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 like you know what became alt rock. And so, it, you know, it's interesting. And they and the fact that they were main they they maintain their creativity their integrity is you know it's awesome it's why we're talking about these guys i mean if they had sold out and no, made I, some bullshit you know like new, trying to capitalize a new wave or whatever which they never really did other bands no. did it like you know hum, human league and bands like that were were um, post-punk bands originally making darker weirder synth dark synth records and then they crossed over and became straight up pop you know right. And they never really did that. Uh, XCC never really did that. No, I, you know, it, it, it's not really surprising because there, there's there's a little bit more wit and and cunning. Yes, there you go to the to their music than those than those other bands. And I, you know, it's I kind of at one point I was writing down like the different kind of things that they were that they do that they kind of adventured in that would be scarier for some bands who would rather sit into their pocket of what their their sound is. And it's like you hear, you know, what's that song? Uh, Frost uh, Circus. I mean, that's just a, a that's a beautiful instrumental. Then you have something mm-hmm. like Summer's Cauldron, which is a little bit more yeah. ethereal, ethereal and kind of a little bit more <clears throat> very open and you know. And then, like, you know, I know you don't like Scott, but, like, down in the cockpit, it's like, those are, like, all pop, like, all three of those are different, to me, different kinds of pop songs. But they all come across as a, you know, they just go down easy, they get, they capture your, your attention, um, and, you know, they're, they're smart. They're really, like, kind of smart, very, not smart, but very thoughtful com- compositions, you know? And even and even a record that I didn't know that much about, and I don't own, own, and I would like to own, uh, Mummer, which was made well into their second phase. Right, that record was sort of I think half of it was uh, remixed by a guy named Alex Sadkin, an American, who wrote and recorded a lot of stuff for Grace Jones, uh, oh, really? and and yeah, and for our, one of our favorites, uh, Robert Palmer. So he was oh, part yeah. of that sort of Compass Compass Point All Stars Compass Point Studios in the Bahamas. He was part of that whole that whole scene, and um, and he worked on that record. And and I listened to songs from that record when we were doing this, when we were preparing. And I'm like, damn, there's some cool shit here. It's like it kind of has that like Talking Heads, yes, Compass Point like yeah. vibe to it. And it's like these guys were always yeah. trying out something different N- not something so different that it was jarring it was subtle in the way that they approached it and, and moved into it but it was it's so it's it's so like it's so interesting and that's a terrible word but it's interesting <laughs> musically to kind of uh 
well, to kind of latch on to. And, and, and for someone who knows a lot about XTC, it was cool to learn even more. Right. And to, and to take a deeper dive into their records. Yeah. And, you know, it's not hard. Like, I, that's why I recommend everyone to listen to it. The thing that I will say that you won't have problems with is they are masters of make, getting a good hook in the song. So there's a lot of interesting things to listen to. They get your attention, um, both lyrically, but, but to, for me, musically is what got me first. Um, and they don't, it's not like they're trying to, uh, you know, spoon feed you it's like they it's there's a very fun undercurrent in a lot of these songs that makes it um or at least whatever the the emotion they're trying to drive at comes across very clearly you know yeah and it's like you said the wit the humor the the the, the you could tell they're smart right that's that's always appealing you know i you know i waka waka doesn't work for me it works for me sometimes, like if I'm listening to Grand right. Funk or something. But but generally, <laughs> I do like when bands are smart and they they take their audience seriously. They don't assume they're idiots, and I like that. You know? Yeah, they they they, they are trying to provide like kind of a yeah you know, a rewarding experience each time. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna flavor. They're going to alter the 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 uh, the ingredients a little, just a little bit, so that you're gonna get a little different taste. Do you? You know, I read something where they considered XTC was one of the uh, like great pop bands. I'm sorry, great lost pop bands. Do you consider mm -hmm. that you know there's, there's juggling that thing between you know college darling, college radio darlings, and being a lost band? Like I, the, the, I'm kind of latching on the word lost. Um, do mm -hmm. you feel? Do you feel that way, or do you feel that that just? Yeah, just... I, I do. I do. I do. I, I, I mean, I don't think they were a lost pop band in the you know in the 80s and and early 90s i don't think they were lost i think people knew who they were people but i think as as the decades have passed that you know almost 30 year 30 plus years on yeah i think they're sort of a lost but it seem like they're heavily, i think people, yeah go ahead I, I think people that collect records and people of a certain age so like us uh, in our 50s or uh people in their 40s i think they're not so lost but i think for younger people and people that are just getting really into music i think yeah i think it's i and, and in a way that's kind of cool that they're lost because imagine the discovery for someone that knew nothing well, about this band yeah and it's got to be yeah you know, right it know, was like a revelation and you know bands like uh oh, what's it, uh, like apples and stereo i mean you can hear that mm -hmm. you can hear that sound uh, you know that their influence, at least, in in, yeah, in their thing, yeah. like that kind of that e kind of that ethos of trying to make smart, provocative but poppy fun music. You know. Yeah, and it, and it's it's you know, it and it, even though like people don't necessarily know who they are now, um, the people that are trying to make interesting music and are and are you know curious and exploring i think they'll, they'll they come upon these guys and think wow how did i miss this you know i think there's that level of discovery that's still happening with them right um and i i think like the fact that they became like a studio band and stopped touring and stuff and focused on just making records um i think that shows you to a certain extent like talk talk that they didn't give a fuck well I think, you know like they were yeah. just they, they were just doing their thing you know and i hate to 
say this, but I think like like why maybe like a band like Squeeze, which is kind of in the same realm as XTC, got a lot more notice is perhaps because of during that time they made better videos or more more. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They were they were because they that, were more they were shaking their ass a little bit more, right? Well, so, those those are the thing. Yeah, they made more. They more. Yeah, they made videos that were that almost kind of demanded more play on MTV because, mm-hmm. fair or not, that was a way that a lot of hit stuff got made uh, mm-hmm. in uh, the '80s is you know through the know, videos, the yeah. videos, and you know I. I frankly would. I don't think I would have heard about even Squeeze or XTC. Like I heard, saw both their videos on MTV. Um, MTV was my was my like doorway. Like uh, when my parents got cable in like the early '80s, and I knew nothing about MTV, and I turned it on. And at the at the I think MTV had only been a year old or whatever when I uh, turned it on. And they were still showing weird videos from the seventies, like the Rolling Stones and right. stuff. That you know, because they needed content, and there wasn't enough content. Gary U.S. Bond. Gary U.S. Bond. Yeah, it's shit like yeah, yeah. or or like uh, Larry Carlton videos, yeah. like weird <laughs> shit, you know. And and uh, and so and so it was like cool. And then and 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 then on top of it, there was all this like kind of post-punk new wave stuff, petering, you know, like kind of seeping I, into the into the programming and this is where we got turned on to squeeze or uh adamant or, wh- yeah, or whatever you know no, but and, that was and, like for like in akron ohio like the the regular like mms did you know cl- basically the rock bands so mm-hmm. it was really difficult and you know they didn't have a strong college radio station uh, at least that i could recall at least in akron and then but that's that was our window into the other world music world and yeah, that's yeah. how, and that, so that was very formative because I, I had cousins who listened to mostly rock stuff that didn't delve into punk or even poppy stuff. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of formative. I know mean, we're kind of getting off the XTC rail, but that, I think, but that has I a think place that's to part it. Of why we like XTC, right? It's like it, they, they, XTC, for as much as they were focused on just making art, they also were exposed to were exposed through MTV. I mean, Dear God was huge, was a huge single in the States. And, and since working the video overtime, was big. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the video was big. And, uh, and the cool thing about Dear God is it was an anti religion song, which is awesome if you really think about it. Um, so yeah, they, you know, they stand out. Whether people know about them or not, that's another thing, but they really do stand well, out. Well, hopefully we'll correct that because the the, combina- yes. the wonderful, the, the always reliable uh, power duo of our episode and our playlist will help rectify that because it's a really amazing playlist that you put together for them and captures the band in all different stripes and and uh, illustrates in you know very clear detail what makes this a like a, a great band and almost to the point of an essential band to to kind of find out more about or learn about yep. or enjoy or make part of your your listening uh pilgrimage through life i'm gonna maybe pat, that's right i'm gonna patent that <laughs> listening privileges pri- pilgrimage <laughs> through life but anyhow give us a call you know give us a call i'm i'm, I'm, I'm getting back are to you the, leaving a message are you leaving a yeah, message for someone I, i'm stuck in the 80s <laughs> I gotta get. I gotta get back to the things. So Hold yeah, on. Let yeah. me t- let me flip yeah. the tape on my answering machine. Feel free to call my beeper at 
Auto reverse beep. My sky, my sky pager. My sky pager. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me see more relevant. <laughs> Call me on my next tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Give well, me. you do live in next in downtown Brooklyn. That was the capital of Nextel. Was it for a long time? Yeah. Well, you would see those yellow phones all the time. People were oh, always okay. carrying them around. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's because they're like they were double. They, it was a cell phone and it was a walkie-talkie. So people were, were uh, you know, walkie-talkieing themselves through through that phone. I, don't ask me why yeah. I know any. Well, of that, it, but, at, at Acre, yeah, yeah. we just had a convertible and a Mister Microphone, <laughs> and we would use that. That's how we talk to people. Um, so no, hit us up on autoreversepod at gmail.com. Always great to hear from uh, listeners about you know, shows that this show or a show you would like to see or hit us up on Facebook and Instagram because uh, we love hearing from you. So until next time. All right. Peace.